This is Phyllis. And Rhonda. And And we we are 24 Karat Karat Conversations. Conversations. If you are new here to our podcast or you are a regular listener, we want to welcome you. We hope that this podcast encourages and inspires and we have honest conversations that interest us and interest you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And remember, our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. Today's topic is going to be somewhat of a serious subject because... So many women suffer from this, and it is depression Depression and anxiety. anxiety. We hear this a lot from our friends. We see it on TV. We see it on Instagram. And we've actually experienced it. And we have experienced it. Um, We also see it in the Christian community and um, just recently had another pastor in Southern California that took his own life from this. So we just felt like it was an important topic to once again, I know we've done something on grief and trauma, but depression and anxiety was something I kind of wanted to research a little bit. So I'm going to go through... Um, a little bit of the research that I've done, but I just want to emphasize we're not medical doctors. No, we're not. And we're not therapists. Well, I think I'm a therapist, but... <laughs> well, Rhonda kind of <laughs> is, but I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not. <laughs> but um, we just want to give information. We're all about making you be aware and possibly seeing a specialist if there is mm-hmm. something that in this area that you recognize from yeah. this podcast that is really affecting you, we want you to please go get help. And um, we're going to talk about some of the things for that. And then also some things that we do for yeah. our own um, traumas and depression. And, and we're going to share some of our stories as well with you so that exactly. you know that you are normal and, yeah. um, you know, we all struggle with it on a different level, I think. So. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, what the technical disorder is called for depression is major depressive disorder or MDD. It affects approximately 17.3 million Americans, 18 years and older. And that's according to the National Institute of Mental Health Association. It is more prevalent in women than men, of course. Of course. We got a lot lot of stuff on our plate. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, depression is the leading cause of disability, which that was crazy to read, worldwide, and is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease, and that's the World Health Organization. It's the second leading workplace concern following family wow, issues. That's so that's really mm-hmm. sad. And then this was something that was like so imperative to me. I was like, oh, this is probably why women who, so I don't have major depressive disorder, but I do have mild, um, like, Trauma, PTSD, Mm -hmm. anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, that kind of thing. Um, It says women who have MDD can have an increased risk risk of fractures, which I have had, and can contribute to the risk of their osteoporosis, which I have pre-osteoporosis. So I thought that was interesting. Depression is the cause of over two-thirds of the 30,000 reported suicides in the United States each year. And that fact was taken in 1999. Which which I'm sure it's increased. I mean, and now even when you were talking about um, 18 years and older, it's like I feel like it's gotten younger and younger and it's almost – glamorize suicide right. in some weird well, sort of way. You yeah. can picture it more people yeah. can do it live now right. on right. yeah, so it's crazy. Um so 
here's the good news because Lord knows oh, we need was, some. Was, yeah. Um, so up to 80% of those treated for depression show an improvement in their symptoms generally within four to six weeks of beginning medication, psychotherapy, attending support groups, or a combination of these treatments. And that's from the National Institute of Health. But nearly two out of three people suffering from depression do not actively seek nor receive proper treatment. And I see this a lot, even in our own hometown. I see... I hear a lot of stories of like, well, she has bipolar. Well, she's really sick and she just does that. They're, mm-hmm. they're not taking their medication. Right. They're not um, getting the help that they mm-hmm. need on a regular, consistent basis. And so then the parents end up, and these are grown people, and the parents yeah. end up taking care of these people because they feel sorry for them because it's hard for them to focus right. and be in the world. But it's because they're not getting the proper yeah. treatment. So I, I just want to emphasize that I think that's really important. Get the proper treatment. Yeah, and it's and okay to ask it. for help. Like it's okay. I and think, it's needed. Yeah, I think people just automatically assume that like I have to go this alone. And yeah. you don't. You don't have to go well that and alone. that's a good point because depression and anxiety is a very alone Yes disorder. Yes, like it sure. makes you feel very alone. So yeah. Rhonda, I'm going to talk a little bit of anxiety. anxiety. So this disorder is the most common mental illness in the U.S. affecting approximately 40 million adults. So I think that this anxiety, I think everybody suffers a to, s- to a certain, certain level of it. Absolutely. Um, so some of the disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, which include genetics, brain chemistry, personality, life events, um, panic disorders, social anxiety, which I think to a weird extent, like people think we're like super social all the yeah, time. We're not. And I laugh because I'm like, I'm the most introverted person you have ever met. Like, like I can turn on the shine when yeah. I need to, but I really would prefer we're at introvert home. extrovert. Yes. Yes, and totally. everyone just assumes like, oh, she's so bubbly yeah. and fun, but we're like, oh. I have to go home and decompress <laughs> yeah. and go in my bedroom. We for crawl two hours. under yeah. our blankets like that was so scary. Yes. <laughs> uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which we did talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit in our trauma and grief episode, especially if you've dealt with um death of Mm -hmm. any sort of, you know, sibling, parent, whatever. Um, Bipolar disorder, which we know Phyllis's mom probably had. um, And if you've read her book. I have family members and yeah, and I know, um, yeah. And eating disorders and sleep disorders, I think, you know, these are all things that people don't want to share or talk about. Which, okay, I just want to stop right there because when I was researching this and I saw eating disorder, I was like, oh, I don't have an eating disorder. Okay, let me just confess something. I do have an eating disorder. I am addicted to sugar oh. in a in a really right. sick way. Like I will buy, um, you know me, I love any sweet yeah. and sour whatever <laughs> and gummy worms and that whole thing. But I cannot keep it in the house because literally I will eat the whole bag in one sitting till my teeth hurt and my tongue is like <laughs> raw. raw. <laughs> and I thought... When I was reading it, I was like, oh, I don't have a... I was like, wait, you know, I do, because that's how I relieve my anxiety. Yeah. And um, one other thing you'll notice with writers, we're huge candy fiends. So when we go I to... I must be the only writer that isn't. I, I love popcorn. Oh, my gosh. No, not. if you go to a writer's convention, there's <laughs> candy. candy. There's chocolate candy. There's, like, candy. It's like going over. to AA. It <laughs> is. Well, like, you know, we need our candy fix to write. Yeah, so that was oh, pretty that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting. So it can be, it can be but, a many different yeah, layers. There's a, yeah, there's a ton of stuff. So you know, now that we have all this information, all these statistics, um, we do have our own stories. And so we want to share some of this with you. And I'm going to let Phyllis go first and kind of share a little bit about 
um, what she's been through and how she feels like, you know, the depression and anxiety come on and, yeah. you know, and then I'm going to share about me too. So, yeah. So I think, um, starting from childhood, I definitely had trauma from being ripped out of a home and starting yeah. a whole new life that you can't go through that without right. some kind of trauma. Right. So I didn't recognize it as that. I just knew that there were certain triggers and things that really, um, some of the things that my mom put us through, with strangers, like in my adult life, uh, there are certain things that I can't handle that people do and yeah. come around me that trigger those childhood moments. So right. I have, um, I've learned to walk away from that and, and I've learned to recognize it now yeah. and be able to self-soothe. And also my husband is a huge help in that because he will pull me away if he sees that, you know, something is um, bothering me or if I'm at home and something has happened, he knows how to comfort me. Right. And so that's important that you have a supportive spouse that understands those, your weirdness. You well, know, and I of, think just knowing, I think when you, when you know, oh gosh, I'm starting to spiral downwards. Yeah. I think that's really important because I know for me, like before I really could figure out that that was my issue, I would just spiral. And then before I knew it, I was at the bottom, bottom. and I was like, oh my God, how do I get back out? Yeah. So having somebody, and if you're single, you know, just seek out friendships. Like don't, I think that's the main key of this whole thing is the aloneness is Mm. what kills you because you isolate. And then like you just said, you go down spiraling, spiraling, and then you can't get out. And so, um, I do have mild depression at times, and we talked about that with the Gilroy Strong. Like I sat for two days with yeah. no shot. That's my go-to is I mm-hmm. will pull the covers over my head and just sit and veg out. And I numb out the world, yeah. which is not healthy. No. And thankfully, my husband will be like, um, you kind of smell. You need to <laughs> get out of bed uh, yes. and take a shower. Um But I do recognize that when I start to go into those places, I only allow myself a day or two. Mm -hmm. I feel like because you recognize you have to feel the feeling. You can't not feel the feeling. It's it's not healthy. Also, to be like I'm fine, everything's great. I you know, and just kind of ignore that emotion. It's just that you don't want that emotion to overtake your whole life. Mm -hmm. So it is a balance. But the first time I think I felt major depression, which I think was postpartum, and I never, I was too scared to ask for help, was when um, Dominique was a baby. And she, I've told this story a million times, so I have permission (laughs) to tell this story because I've already done it a million times to different groups of people and in front of her and everything. And we laugh now, which I said I would laugh 10 years later, but... um, she was a very difficult baby and Mike was traveling a lot. And so I had Ariel was three and a half. And then um, I think Dominique was about three months old mm-hmm. was when it hit the hardest. She was a very colicky baby, just really, really um, crying all the time. Didn't want a bottle or me. Like there was just, yeah. there was nothing like I couldn't do anything right. And I just felt, and again, it goes back to then the trauma of like, I'm growing up with no mom and I don't know how to mother. So I'm thinking I'm just doing this all wrong. So one particular night, I think it had been a few nights in a row. Mike was gone. I have to take Ariel to school the next day, preschool. And I hadn't slept and Dom starts crying and crying in the middle of the night and won't stop. And it's like 
you know, that new mom thing, you change them, you hold them, you rock them, you feed them, you you know, you do everything you can. And the, the crying goes on and on and on for hours at a time. And I remember grabbing her and literally wanting to just choke her out. And I thought, I understand now why moms get to that point. Not that I could ever do that, but I understood it in that moment. Like the stress and the no sleep overtakes you so bad. Absolutely. So I put her on the floor. She's crying. I'm crying. And I looked at her and I said, we're going to laugh at this 10, 10 yeah. years from now. We'll laugh yeah. at this. But right now I hate you. Right. <laughs> Literally <laughs> told my baby, like, I hate you. Yes. I am admitting that to the world because that yeah. is, I'm having honest conversation. Like you, when you are a new mom or you are going through any kind of a depressive moment, which happens, I think probably to every mom. And if it doesn't, God bless you yeah. if it doesn't. But if you are that mom and you feel like you're alone and something's wrong and you know, you just get in that dark pit of Mm -hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. And, um, I called my then sister-in-law and I the next morning and I said, you have to take the baby because I literally need to get some sleep or I I just don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, oh my gosh, yeah, bring her over. She, I think asking for help. And again, I think that's the biggest issue is that we want things to be so perfect and we don't want anyone to know what we're struggling with and we need to be asking for help. And, you know, you've, you've got your tribe, you've got your community that you can go to and those people that you can trust. That's why it's so important to have Mm -hmm. those close friends that, you know, you can be raw and honest with and they're not going to judge you. Right. And because we all Mm -hmm. fail at times, like we all just fall down and we can't get back up, but you have to get back up. That's the point. And you don't want to stay there. So, what was funny is I fell asleep hard. And when I woke up, I was in a panic because I didn't know where the baby was. Mm, That's how, how exhausted you were. Exhausted I was. And yeah. I, it took me like a good couple minutes to realize, like, I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know what day it was. I was like, where's my baby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So just to say, if you have any kind of postpartum, if you're feeling that way, if you're a new mom listening to this Please know that, um, you know, you do need to seek out help for that, um, whether it's mild and you need to call a friend. Now, eventually, I I played brave, and that was looking back. Yeah. I wished I had gotten medical help. help because I think that I was having a lot of, like, weird thoughts, and it was bad. And so I will say I did come out of it, but... Um, I don't think you have to white knuckle it. No, you don't. Yeah, you and absolutely. I, that's what I did don't. because I didn't have a mom to go to. So every a lot of times I would just white knuckle stuff, and I think that's really unhealthy. And so I, my confession is, <laughs> I was not a good um, keeper of my own soul. Yeah, I will say. Well, and I think you know when we're talking about the pastor that you know had committed suicide, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times like. So I, you know, grew up in church. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of times people are like, well, just pray it away or we'll wish it away or whatever. And I feel like you have to address it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with pastors or what I have found is, you know, growing up in a pastor's home, they're doing so many things at so, you know, at this crazy level, right? Yeah. And they're helping so many other people, but they forget to take the time out mm-hmm. for self-care. Mm-hmm. And so um, growing up like that, I feel like, I took a lot of that on as well, where I 
help everyone else. And then I am completely depleted. Mm-hmm. And so I'll share my story. This is, you know, we're having 24 karat conversations here, here we right? Go. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle um, up people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I suffered quite a bit of, you know, trauma mm-hmm. after my daughter passed away. That was probably the most difficult time. But, um, after that, you know, I thought I was okay. I really felt like, okay, I've gotten through this. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I miss her, but felt like it was, I was doing okay. And this is probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just remember going into this really deep, dark depression I and I did not tell anybody because mm-hmm. I, but we could tell, I, I didn't tell anybody though, mm-hmm. because I didn't want anyone to know how I was feeling. I had a lot of my play with my job. I was burnt. I was completely burnt out and really depressed. And I would find myself like doing what I had to do during the week and then coming home and just holding up and mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, um, you know, I have a, t- I ha- after this experience, I had a totally new perspective on people who commit suicide, because I'm telling you, it is in your head. Like mm. you hear voices that tell you, you are not enough. You, you, you know, nobody cares. Nobody would care if they kill, if you killed yourself. Mm-hmm. And I actually had those thoughts mm-hmm. and to the point of where I contemplated very seriously killing myself and nothing breaks my heart more than to say that mm-hmm. because like, you know, it seems so selfish yet it's it's just you're suffering in silence and you don't know how to get out of that dark spiral. I feel so blessed because I had people who were there that supported me. You know, I, I did go to my parents and talk to them about it and they, um, you know, prayed for me and, you know, I went and saw a doctor and I did not get on medication. I, I didn't need to. Um, but I will tell you that when I go down that ugly spiral and I realize, oh man, I'm going deep, I immediately address it mm-hmm. immediately. And mm-hmm. I have found for me, a lot of things that help me is reading and mm-hmm. meditating and praying and just really kind of seeking out, okay, I feel this way. I feel burnout. I need a timeout. Right. And if that means me completely disconnecting from yeah. the world for a day or two, then yeah. that's what I have to do. Okay. But it was really, really tough. And yeah. you know what? That's a really tough thing to admit because everybody wants to pretend like, oh no, I am so I would yeah. never even mm-hmm. think about that. But yeah. until you're in that really dark yeah. place, you have no idea no. what and tricks ha- your mind plays And on I you. knew something was wrong, but I had no idea it was that bad. And then when you told me um, that one day mm-hmm. what you were contemplating and how close you came, mm-hmm. it freaked me out because I thought, you're my best friend. Yeah. And I didn't even know you were suffering that yeah. much to that extent. Right. I knew because you were blocking yourself off. Like yeah. you didn't want to be around anyone. You didn't want to hang out, nothing. So... I guess to say, too, that there, you know, if somebody does go to that place as a friend, you can't take that personally because so something interesting I was telling you earlier is when I was talking about that pastor who took his life and I was talking to my older daughter and I was saying like how horrific it was and how he has this little three-year-old boy and he has this beautiful wife and gosh, like they just loved him so much and just so many things. And my daughter looked at me and she said, mom... It's a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me. I thought, you're so smart (laughs) because I was looking from the emotional side. And I think that's the thing, too, is like as friends, as family members, as people on the outside, 
we don't recognize, we, we think it's something we can help and do, but right. really we are not recognizing that, um, we're not taking away, like we're not taking away from prayer life. We're not taking away right. from medical, like nothing like that. Like we want you to do all of those things. But the bottom line is, is you have to remember too, is it is a brain chemistry thing. And when you start spiraling out of control and it's like you said, the voices and it becomes overwhelming. You you feel very isolated. And, you know, we go through things in life, um, you know, that are hard and tough Mm -hmm. and and different things can strike us in different ways. Mm -hmm. I I was reading uh, Lisa Turquist's book, It's Not Supposed Mm -hmm. to Be This Way. And she talks about feelings, you know, she went through a super difficult time and she says, um, you know, it's a constant threat to our deep feelings uh, um, that usher in depression, anxiety, callousness, callousness, I can't speak. (laughs) And quite honestly, skepticism about the goodness of God. And I will say, I have to agree with that because I think, when you're in that deep darkness, you think there's there's nothing good about God. There's nothing mm-hmm. gracious about God. Like, how mm-hmm. could he let me feel this way? And I think a lot of times in the Christian world, we want to just dismiss it and just say, well, you know, they'll be okay because we're going to pray right over away. them. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you need to get help. You need to reach out to... We can still pray. And yeah, absolutely. We can still but God gave us therapists yeah. and doctors for a reason. And so many yeah. times we're so like pent up on, well, I just want to be delivered from it, right. you know, and we want to use all it's these. It's not a one trip no. fix mm-hmm. kind of thing. You, you know, we can do all of those things, but you have to recognize that just like we said in the beginning, mm-hmm. y- y- this is something you can manage if you do all of those things. Yeah. But if you don't do all of those things, if you are majorly depressed, if you have MDD, if you have major anxiety and you're not getting the help and the treatment and the support groups and the psychotherapy and all the things that are needed, then it doesn't matter if we pray till the cows come mm-hmm. home because if they don't get the help they need, it is a brain chemistry disorder that will take them down a spiral that I don't even understand. Yeah. I can't sit here and I have no answer for it. I can't, I, I don't know. I just know it's very serious. The fact that my friend sitting across from me couldn't come to me and tell me how she was feeling scares the crap out mm-hmm. of me, but also makes me realize I don't have control. Like, there's nothing I can do for you. You have to do it for yourself. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line. So we do, we have some yeah, things that definitely. we do to help self-soothe ourselves. And one of the things Rhonda and I love yes, is, is our bath. bath. Bathing. So I am a, I've always been, a, I love to, I love baths. Bath and candles. Bath and candles. I love them. I mean, I. It's the relaxation yeah, of it your is, body. It yeah. is the one place that I'm able to like get quiet if with my thoughts. If our kids don't, they used to yeah. come in. And oh, I used to joke. Them. I used to joke because I'd get in the bathtub and Kalia's little time. fingers would be underneath there going, mom, mom, you know. What um, are you doing by yourself? Yeah. Until what, at one point. So funny, Kalia's story, right? Because let's get yeah. a little light here. Um, she actually made little stickers that I could put on my door. <laughs> mom and mom yeah. and bath, don't so bother. So it said, mom and bath, don't bother. One of them said <laughs> pooping, which I'm not exactly sure <laughs> if I would ever put that on the door. Yeah, but okay, that works. She made that for me. <laughs> Leave so. me alone. Yeah, no. So, you know, you as a like a mom, a wife, I mean, I work full time. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. There's a lot on our plate. Mm-hmm. And so we need to learn to take a time out yeah. and it's okay. I used to joke, I used when the kids were little, I'd tell my husband I'm going for a time out and I'd go to Home Goods, <laughs> not to even buy anything. Just I just to wanted walk to walk around. and smell yeah. candles. So 
that's awesome. So, hey, that's one of them. Um, oh, and then um, essential oils. I love to do essential oils throughout the house and just kind of from time to time or candles either or. I just, I love, so for me, everything's very, I'm kind of a visual and a tactile person, I guess. I like to smell and touch yeah, and feel yeah. and that kind of stuff. So things that feel good. Um, oh, that was one thing I was going to mention is um, something that I recognized in myself this year. Uh, there's a website called Sensitive and Strong by a friend of mine called Sh- uh, Sherry Gregory is her name. There's actually a test you can go on there. An HSP is a highly sensitive person. I found out that that is some of my... Um, technique, my qualities and there's techniques on there. So you can take a test to see if you are that person. So for me, I am very sensitive to certain materials, sounds. Um, there's things that trigger me that like wig me out. And Mm. people used to say, and my mom, especially you're so sensitive, what's wrong with you? And Sherry had this her whole life and she developed a whole calling from Mm. this. They're coming out with a book too, which is awesome. It's going to be out, I think in October, October, November. I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but sensitive and strong. If you want to take the test for HSP, I can't wear wool. I can't wear anything. I have to have my, my kids would say, why do you have so many knits in your closet? Cause I have to have things soft on my body or it just wigs me out. I have to smell nice things. There's just things that have to be in certain places. And I have to take things with me when I travel that make me feel calm. So if that's part of your anxiety, like find the things that comfort you, especially when you're traveling. Um, If I have all my goodies in my little Ziploc bag, I'm good. It's like my, my son-in-law had allergies one day and he goes, oh man, we don't have any Claritin. I'm out. She's got I a bag full. She's like it's Mary good. Poppins. With so her whatever bag makes you like feel comforted. That this is the most important thing is like comfort yourself so that it brings you peace yeah. and makes you feel good. And I like to say like cry. It's yeah. okay. And we kind it's of okay. joke about my closet. You know, that's like kind of the running joke. <laughs> her praying, that crying my closet. praying crying closet. But I do now. I found myself like if I really need to get a quiet yeah. space, like I can go in there and no one is going to bother me. So I, you know, that is my. I will. I will cry. I will. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with crying and getting mm-hmm. it out. Um, definitely praying. You know, yes. we, we're big believers in that. And I do. I do believe that when you're going through. You know, once you're able to like say, okay, this is what I'm struggling with, I find myself reading a lot of books. I'm reading a book right now um, called The Renewing of the Mind Project by Mm. Barb Raveling. And it's uh, it's such an awesome book. But I have to remind myself Mm. on a regular basis. So don't like discount, okay, I'm through this. I'm over Mm. it. Like it will come in different ways, different seasons of your life. And so you need to really make sure that you're seeking counsel seeing your doctor, reading the right books, praying. All these things are really important. the Bible has beautiful psalm verses Mm -hmm. of how he's protecting you and loving you and comforting you. And so you want to read those uplifting things because it is a mind thing too where Mm -hmm. you want to stay in that um, pocket. And then talk to others. Please like reach out, like even to your friends if you're feeling. Sometimes maybe you can't even be strong enough to call the doctor yourself, but if you can reach out to a friend and say, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm feeling so hopeless. And if they can say, be a good friend. And if you can say, Hey, can I call a doctor for you? If you know a therapist, can I call a therapist for you? Get them help if they can't do it themselves. If they're willing to let you do that, that's amazing. If you can be a tag team for them. And And as a good friend, you know, don't judge. And, and 
I think that that's, you know, again, the stigma of, well, I can't tell anybody because what are they going to think of Mm -hmm. me? Or, you know, you got to get past the ego Mm -hmm. part of it. And just, I, you know, we're all struggling on some level. So so just being a good friend and listening, stay in church, find a church family that can come alongside you and support you. And we just want you to stay healthy. And I hope, you know, this, our honesty is able to make you feel normal that, you know, if you've struggled with this, we're all struggling. Right. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to apologize and Phyllis isn't going to apologize for those things that we've done because, you know, hey, it's we're life. human and it's life <laughs> mm-hmm. and we all struggle with it. So we want to thank you for joining us this week and we hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. And if you love our show, please give us a review, subscribe and share. And we have a new Instagram. Woo! Yay. And we're looking <laughs> for lots of followers. So come on, people. We're official. Yeah. So we are at 24 Carat Conversations Podcast. Let us know what other topics you want to discuss. And we love to incorporate them in our conversations. But until next week, 24 Carat Tribe, sparkle on. Bye. Bye.